Welcome to the Inspiring Leadership podcast series. This is aimed for you aspiring leaders, whatever level you're at, whether you're beginning out in your careers as managers and leaders, whether you're in middle ranking roles, or whether you're CEOs and chairman of boards, there's always something we can all learn. And it's particularly the skills, stories, tips and techniques that you can pass on to those you lead and your teams. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's podcast. Uh, and we're going to be talking about the p- second part of health quotient, health and well-being, mental and physical and brain health. And particularly this part, Graham and I are going to be talking about sleep, breathwork, mindfulness and yoga. So um, really lovely to have you with us. And I want to introduce uh, Graham. Now, Graham Brown, fascinating guy, uh, runs a podcast agency. He's probably one of the best podcasters I know globally. I have a great deal of respect for many podcasters, but I put Graham up there uh, with the best of the best, and he's become a good, true friend of mine. We can have great conversations. Graham, welcome. Thank you for being on the series again. Thank you so much, Jonathan. And I'll return the introduction. Jonathan, how do we describe him? He is the soldier that doesn't major in minor things. (laughs) (laughs) Bit of a pun there. Um, Likes big picture stuff. I like deep conversations with this chap. He likes to ask big questions. He likes to get to the truth. I feel a a kindred spirit in many senses, an adventurer, a voyager, sometimes a little bit off (laughs) out there. But I like that out there. But he's definitely in search of something. So I feel these podcasts are always an interesting journey, aren't they? We're always discovering something. And I feel every time we have a chat, you're going to teach me something. Some strange adventure, little anecdote. I suppose we're going to talk about it today, your little journey down to London. Yeah. <laughs> but also something you've discovered, some new technology, some new gadget that you're wearing. Everything is like a, every day, something new with Jonathan. That's how I describe you. So I'm, I'm very pleased to be here. Well, Graham, bless you. And, and of course, that with the, the hunger to learn new things and grow and develop comes an intensity which I need to manage. Um, my wife and I did the Hoffman process this weekend for couples. And uh, one of the things I'm aware of is I can be sort of full on, very intense. And there is that need. And this is why this week's session on sleep, relaxation, de-stressing, breath work, mindfulness, yoga is so important and is very important for me that, yes, it's great to be driven and uh, to have high standards and you want to learn and grow but just not at the expense of your relationship and your own health and well-being, which is the other, the other part of it. So, yeah. And I was uh, smiling as you were saying uh, major and minor things. I, I was, uh, as you may know, a major in the British army, but the highest rank dizzying heights. I re- reached <laughs> middle, middle ranking major. Um, oh, come on. But uh, no, I, I could have stayed, but I, I, uh, yeah. I saw my peers storm on by me to go on and become generals but who knows you never know what would have become but i i learned so much from that time but i i always smile about some of the experiences uh, i was giving a talk uh, on hms belfast my father's old ship which was a great honor uh, to about 150 leaders from tetratech who is a great a great global organization and and sometimes my stories are quite male because of course i was in a military organization which at the time only had for many years only had men but then uh, female leaders started coming in, some very high caliber ones. So just conscious about that. But one of the sergeant majors said to me when I was a young officer and not particularly good at marching, sir, 
what's your village doing for an idiot while you're here? <laughs> nice. <laughs> and uh, being referred to as major disaster when things went oh. wrong. <laughs> but anyway, um, let's have a look at this week. Uh, it's mm. Health Quotient, Health and Wellbeing, part two, which is this, this idea of what have we learned, because you and I uh, love this whole era of health and well-being. Mm. What mm. have we learned? We've all read a lot. We've experienced a lot. You're a, uh, an ultra sort of marathon man, an iron man, and I, I've done sort of mountain marathon things. What have we learned about this next aspect, which is sleep and breath work and mindfulness and yoga and de-stressing ourselves? And we'll begin with a couple of questions. Maybe I can get you, Greg, mm. to talk, talk about the first question. Managing Director from Birmingham asked us from last week or from last month, how important is sleep to performance in business and in home life? What's your view on this one, Graham? That's a great question. Managing Director from Birmingham. How important is sleep to performance in business and home life? I think it's a lot more important than we give credit for, right? That we, we know this, don't we, Jonathan, that how we function during a day without much sleep. I kind of feel it's like, you know, every day you wake up, you've got like this glass empty and the world, other people mainly pour their problems into your glass, you know, their agendas, their urgencies, their issues, and it fills up, but you can absorb it. And then, you know, you go to bed, you sleep, you wake up and you start again with another empty glass. But if you're not sleeping properly, properly then you start that day with a glass half full mm. and that's how i feel what it's like I, you know i to to the md in birmingham you know as i've sort of grown older i've realized how important it is and how sleep deprived i was in my younger days mm. and tried to kind of mask it you know coffee and macho i'm sure we're going to talk about that but you know you know they say in english don't they that sleep is the mother of good counsel but, you know, and when people say, oh, that big decision, sleep on it. Mm. There's a reason for that, isn't there? So, yeah. I mean, I don't know how you function without sleep. I know you've done a lot in the army. Did you do all that sleep deprivation stuff, Jonathan? Yeah, I mean, you and I were just talking about this with the, the Navy SEALs and when I was doing airborne training. Uh, and they, uh, particularly I did, um, uh, I was in electronic warfare working to GCHQ. I suppose you described me as I was a former spy. Um, and in the training for when, if the Russians captured us when war broke out, because the Russians would try and destroy any of the electronic warfare bases as they will do now against Ukraine, uh, because they don't want to be having their, um, their stations listened into and decoded. And they equally don't want direction finding against where their headquarters are. So a cruise missile goes straight into their headquarters, which is what's been happening. A lot of their generals have been disappearing because their, their leadership is so poor that the generals have to be so close to the front giving instructions because they don't have so many highly trained non-commissioned officers. That's a whole story in itself. But when I was doing the resistance to interrogation training, uh, we worked both with the SAS on the survival and the, on being on the run, but also we had the Joint Service Interrogation Wing uh, who trained us in being able to resist uh, sleep deprivation, which you can't, I'll come back to in a minute, uh, stress mm. positions, but just uh, sound noise and um, the the double act that you had, the nice guy, nasty guy, 
or the the, the, the nasty guy normally and the really nice woman who came in said, look, I'm sorry about him. Mm. He really was, you know, he was shouting in your face and spitting at you. You really shouldn't be like this. But here, do you want a, do you want a cup of tea, a, a cigarette? And look, have some cake. I'm so sorry Break about you that. Break you down. Yeah. Oh, just you completely, oh, a bit of nicest after all that. So the point was that, that from the military was that when I was in a stress position, eight hours of stress position and four hours, out, four hours of interrogation, which is a, a huge amount, and then you'd go through it again, that you would be broken down by the lack of sleep, completely mm. broken broken mm. down, because you've already been on the run for two weeks. And so you're already dirty and smelly and you've been living in ditches and trying to evade dogs and helicopters and, and motorbikes and stuff, and people looking for you. Uh, and, and if they did, then they'd, they'd put you in stress positions and you know, that, and you'd be treated very badly. Um, so, so your, your resistance, your, your glass, as it were, but like this bottle, you know, mm. it's getting lower and lower and your courage and your ability to resist was at its lowest ebb. And so you can't actually, just like you can't save up sleep mm. and that you know that for the next week, you're not going to have much sleep, but I've saved it all up and I'll just draw down. It doesn't work that way. And, and you really can't get a, a sleep debt repaid. It's just, you're going to have to move on and get on with it. And so this idea of, um, uh, sort of training yourself with little sleep doesn't help you. It doesn't actually work. affects your brain badly in the long term for Alzheimer's wow. later in life. But uh, yeah, so long it's story. It's a very and, macho and it, thing, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, terribly. It's, very, terribly. it's like that in business, isn't it? And uh, the military, you know, it's the macho, no sleep. I'm sure, you know, it was the same for you in the army. And when I was a young and in business, there was all that kind of zeitgeist of, you know, sleep is for wimps. Yeah. And I know that's said as a joke now, but it was said very in, in many different forms back then, you know, like, yeah. oh, how can I sleep? People were asking. You can sleep can when I you're sleep dead. Free? You can sleep yeah. when you're dead was what they said. That's like, you know, well, you're wasting your life sleeping. Well, wh why? It's like, you know, and people were saying like, you sleep three hours a week, I mean, three hours a night, sorry. Here's how you can do it. Here's how you can hack your mind and body to sleep very little. And, it just seemed to be such a joyless existence. I actually enjoy sleeping <laughs> quite a lot. And I think we should kind of, you know, to your friend who asked the question, we should celebrate sleeping for what it mm. is. It's so important. And I think we function better. I mean, a lot of science has shown how we function better. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, in business, but also emotionally, right? Yeah. And in fact, uh, we'll talk about books later on. There's about four books that I, I, I've read, which are very good. Uh, my favorite is Matthew Walker's book, Why We Sleep. Yeah. And, and, and Matthew's a very good raconteur. If you watch any of his videos and like that, I'm sure he's done a TEDx, but he's certainly very clear in explaining the research behind it. If, if like last night, I had about six and a half hours sleep. But if I had had eight hours sleep today and I went down to London and came back on the train, my performance would have been 30% more just by that hour and a half difference. Now, eight hours is a good amount of proper sleep, not just being in bed, not about just being in bed, but the actual sleep. And as you know, I'm a, a big fan of the old aura ring, which those who are watching on YouTube would see, but those who are listening, it's just one of the measurable devices. And there's so many wearable technology things. I used a whoop strap, W-H-O-O-P for about three years. Now this aura ring, O-U-R-A, not sponsored by either of those, I'll quickly say. Though if they want to, they should get in touch. Um, but uh, the uh, the wearable devices and even my Apple Watch recording stuff that goes on, it's very helpful. 
But as you know, Graham, recently I went and did a sonomnograph, which is, I can't even say that, polysomnograph, mm. uh, which was I went to the uh, sleep and respiratory center in Cambridge at the uh, Royal Papworth Hospital. And I paid for myself to go on a sleep study. And it was fascinating. They had all the wires up to my brain and my body movements and my ECG and my blood oxygen level. Everything was being recorded. I was even being videoed in bed in the bedroom to see what was going on during my sleep time. And that was fascinating. I'll tell you more about that later. Oh, wow. Come on. I thought you were going to tell uh, us what the no, big no, no. takeaway was. You're going to more, tell us more later. later. More about I'm later. more interested in how much did you actually pay for that thing, Jonathan? Yeah, yeah. Well, that was You're going to tell us later on. Okay. Tell you about that Surprises. later. Surprises. Let's, let's Surprises. go to question number two, the COO yeah. from London. Um, Greg, what difference does breath work and breathing make to our lives and our stress management? Hmm. I haven't done as much breath work probably as you have, Jonathan. So maybe you can answer this one. I just know it, it's important. I mean, one thing that I do do is I stand up at work. I think that probably has a big impact on it. Cause I think if we're in a slouched position over a computer, we can't, your diaphragm's not working properly, is it? So probably in a very passive way, I'm improving my breath work, but you're much more active in it. So I'll hand this one to you, Jonathan. Oh, that's, that's kind of, yeah. I mean, I was just there as you were talking, I was just doing the, 444 which is box breathing in the u.s marines they they tried this to actually help them manage with battle stress uh, and difficult situations but as any leader uh, listening here can do that that when you're just trying to get yourself more centered and you've just had the 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 freeze flight fight response of the amygdala that small almond shaped part of your brain which draws all the blood from the prefrontal cortex the front part of your brain where the executive function goes on it's called the left and right ventral lateral prefrontal cortex. Marvelous name. But all the blood starts getting drawn from that to, to feed the amygdala, which is the, the threat response center. Um, it, it's as if you have a lion just enter the room and it, it's looking at you, licking its lips, and it's got bits of old, uh, the, the previous human it ate, uh, hanging out of its mouth. And, and, and you don't have that really happen to you, but you are in a meeting with another leader who might be challenging you or you're trying to pitch and your business and your job depends on it. So you go through this, um, this terrible experience and you can't think well. All you can think about is either freezing and, and sometimes people literally find their voice stuck, mm. they, they lose their voice. And of course you're into storytelling and speaking and they, mm. but those people, that's when they're trying to speak. At the moment they're trying to speak, they go into the freeze flight fight they lose their ability, they feel a crampingness in the chest and around there. And so doing the breathing and actually, fine enough, squeezing your buttocks and, and holding in your tummy button to join with the back is lowering your center of gravity. Mm. And when you combine that with diaphragmatic breathing, four, 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 you, you actually get the, the, the brain to calm down. Mm. And, and you can start to think, well, you're not just about to run out of the room and leave the meeting. It would be a bit embarrassing if you start doing it every time. But Liz trusts us that when she's being asked questions, <laughs> disappears from power. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. 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 And, you know, was she hiding under a desk was what the Labour uh, uh, shadow chancellor asked her. Uh, it, metaphorically, she probably was and she didn't mm. want to be there, but she had to be there. Um, so we all go through those moments. I, I remember that one particular occasion when I forgot to go and have lunch with my general's general. 
the, 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 the man that he'd been ADC to when I was ADC to the head of the army. And I forgot to have lunch with him. And I just wanted to like drop through the floor, die, cold sweat running down my back. Oh my God, can I just pretend I've been hit with the plague or something's happened? It wasn't my fault, but it was my fault. I forgot to do it. And I had to face into the music and confess. And it was not a good experience, but it's better to be honest than to make up a story about the plague because he probably wouldn't have believed me. You could have said I, you were tired. Yeah, sleep deprived. I, I was sleep deprived. I was being you know? too hard. So the, the work conditions here in your headquarters are unacceptable. Get out! Yeah. Um, exactly. But, but Back to the JD. Yeah. Breathwork. Yeah, four, four, four. In for four, hold for four, out for four, in for four, hold for four, out for four. Mm. So you, you're in holding, out holding, in holding, out holding. Uh, or there's the four, seven, eight when I'm trying to sleep and I'm quite stressed and wired up and I wake up perhaps in the early hours of the morning, I breathe in for the count of four, hold for seven and breathe very out very slowly through the mouth for the count of eight, then in for four through the nose. And the key thing is nasal breathing. Mm. Uh, when I'm doing training, I'm, I, do, I go for 10,000 meters on a Thursday on the rowing machine. Uh, and, and I just do a slow, steady pace, what they call zone two, and it's always nasal breathing. Or if I'm training on the mm. cross trainer or the running machine, nasal breathing. Uh, because it's more efficient. There's a whole story around that. Uh, Patrick McEwen uh, uh, in uh, The Oxygen Advantage uh, talks about that in his book. So I think uh, the, the CEO from London, really, the difference breath work and breathing makes to our lives and stress massive. Mm. Uh, and it is a way, there's little you can do to control yourself. But when your behavior is going off piece, those who've done, uh, there's that excellent book, Why CEOs Fail mm. uh, by Cairo and um Daltlich and Cairo and also when people aren't thinking well to just get their breathing sorted out makes a huge difference and you and I were talking finally before we move on but you and I were talking about um the uh Wim Hof and this Mm. amazing sort of ice baths and swimming uh Thor is going to uh be doing some of this stuff in a a film on Disney which I'm looking forward to watching (laughs) where he's swimming in the Arctic and things like this just to try these things out about how you can manage your body and your control and people sitting mm. in pa- patches of ice uh, in a loincloth and heating up the ice around themselves by their control of their breathing. There's some phenomenal stuff. That can Primal. A- any thoughts from you, Graham, before we um, we talk about next going to sleep, really? Yeah, it's, uh, it's all good. I think that these kind of things you just have to, like Jonathan, you have to just be a student of possibility you've got to explore because you're not going to learn this stuff from your gp or from your teacher it's out there though there's a lot of science and you know i think there's a lot of definite tangible benefit yeah yeah no, no doubt about it um so let's have a we're going to look at three areas uh routines mm. that you and i have used or that we'd read about to get the best sleep so we refresh the next day uh techniques for breathing and how effective they are and benefits from mindfulness and yoga and meditation for mental health so let's have a look at um routines mm. uh, Greg, Greg, what what kind of routine do you use to to get best sleep at the... well i definitely have a ritual mm. which i think has helped because it's kind of training your brain to expect sleep isn't it it's kind of like from the early days of the lullabies you kind of expect it so um what one i found what doesn't help for example computer laptop before bed 
you know, my mind's wired for another hour to two hours. They say you, you should turn off two hours before you go to sleep mm. and you should not look at a screen. So your phone an hour before sleep. I've tried and it, it's one of those ongoing battles of, you know, keeping the phone out of the bedroom. So that's always helpful. You know, it just kind of gets those bad habits out. Um, but the main thing for me in terms of sleep is, is people might think I'm a bit strange, but one thing I do do, it's an idiosyncrasy, is I prepare my clothes for the next day. Mm. I get all my clothes, I prepare them. I mean, you know, I'm sure it's not dissimilar from your army days, like prepare all my stuff. One, it's like, it's kind of meditative. It's, you know, nothing's really going through my head when I'm doing it. So that's the sort of the doing, the being in the moment, just preparing and folding, putting it out. There's nothing, there's no big decisions to be made. Is it a black shirt or a navy shirt? So that's it. But also, I mean, about the decisions, I think that's important is that, you know, I do remember very clearly the story told by Barack Obama about why he eats two boiled eggs every day. And they asked him, I think it was a journalist, and he said, well, you know, I make all these decisions every day, one of which is, do I press the red button or not? You know, the last thing you want me doing is making a decision about what I'm going to eat for breakfast. And so if I make it to the end of the day and I've still got some decision energy in the bank account, I'm going to use it and put my clothes out. So that when I start in the morning, I've kind of banked that decision. I don't need to decide what pair of socks am I wearing. It's already done. It's just those kind of routines. It's like training my brain. It's like slowing things down. You know, it's getting out of the sort of the fight or flight thinking that you have when you're thinking about business potentially. So those things really work for me. And then there's just the small things like not taking the phone in the bedroom. I don't drink caffeine after midday. If I drink caffeine at one in the afternoon, I'm not sleeping until like four in the morning. It's like I'm wired. Some people are okay. Some people can drink right before bedtime. I definitely can't. But the last thing that really works for me is reading. It's just, you know, now I can just read five pages and boom, I'm out. It's like train my brain completely. And so now it's taking me like weeks and weeks to get through a book because <laughs> I'm doing like five pages at a time, but it's very enjoyable and it really, really does work for me. So all those kind of things, I think over time, I've kind of practiced different things and mm. those simple things really work for me. What about yeah. you, Jonathan? Yeah, that, that all sounds very sensible. I mean, uh, as you know, um, being the dyslexic and, and interested in learning and growing, mine is listening to audiobooks. Uh, and massive amounts of them. I, I sometimes find that when I, uh, I've learned from them, I, I'm an early adopter, I go and practice them. So, so one of the things I learned was PM and AM bookends. So for your sleep mm. to have the best, that you've got to prepare it before the night and in the first thing in the morning to set yourself up with a consistent routine. And so I, I am someone uh, much more than just because I've been in the military for 20 years, 22 years ago, but I, I do like um, having, as you do, a sort of routine. So you don't have to think too much about it. You just know those are the things you do. And when you've done that one activity, it goes on to the next one. And, and, and it's almost, I, I even have an app, Todoist, where I can like, have a little tick that I've done those things. Oh, yeah, I must remember to do that. And, and so the night before, for me, in the perfect night, I would start going, thinking about going to bed about 9.30 to mm. then go to sleep at 10.30. I don't do that. And when I don't do that, no, I do that most of the time. But, but when I don't do that, and it's maybe going to sleep at 11, 11, 30, 12, I've lost a whole chunk of the evening and it affects my performance the next day, how well I think, how happy I am. 
Mm. You know, like like a puppy, the tail goes down between the legs and you just don't feel so up there. So let's say on on a good day when I when I have my routine, I get it right. Like you, the idea of um, digital digital sunset so that you're you're starting Mm. to switch off the technology. I'm really not massively keen on TV. My wife Lee does enjoy her television. That's her self-soothing, her way of relaxing at the end of the day. She enjoys it. But if we watch a good film together, that's great. But like you, I have found, and the research from from many of the books said, if you can get a paperback and have one of yeah. those those um, light filtered lights, I have a little one, bendy one, which clips on the mm. book, and mm. it's just like an orange filter, so it's not the usual blue, blue light, light that yeah. you have. I find reading a book, which is not to do with work or self-improvement, mm. which is my yes. is my, yes. my 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 thing, my passion, um, is a great way of switching off. Uh, and if I, I'm actually reading a book, you have to laugh this one about sleepiness. And so, so actually, the more you're reading about, it, then you're starting to go. You're actually starting. To... <laughs> it so works. It does work. I also um, find because I'm quite auditory. If I have something like a uh, headspace or calm i might listen mm. to a, a mindfulness recording about 10 minutes or dropping to sleep that kind of stuff or something which is soothing and calming and not sighting the brain so go to sleep um because of the stage being in my 60s now i'll be up about three times a night that tends to disrupt my sleep an awful lot but that's just medically because of what goes on in a body when it gets to a certain age for some people um but i'm quickly back to sleep again generally and and then the 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 ring the device is recording how much uh, awake time how much light sleep how much REM and how much deep sleep I have, and because of having to get up three times a night, um, I, I find I have a nap about one o'clock in the afternoon. Mm. Uh, in fact, I'll have a nap after after this bit later than normal plan, but I'll have a nap after this um, for about twenty minutes of sleep, and I find boof a, a bit of five minutes either end just to go to sleep and wake up but if i give myself 35 minutes i literally get into bed get undressed get into bed and i have a sleep now not everybody can do that i used to sleep under desks and in you know feet sticking out of a cupboard somewhere i just find somewhere to sleep but in the morning the morning routine this consistency of the morning ablutions Mm. and you get up and you're listening to the daily stoic which i tend to listen to something uplifting to you brushing your teeth and and doing various things and then i do perhaps 10 minutes of mindfulness, uh, sitting in a chair. Then I might do some days yoga for 15 minutes, other days some hit training or some rowing, but some activity in the morning, walking the dog with my wife for about half an hour. And then I start the day quite late at about 10. Uh, but I might go through until working with, with clients in America, which might take me into the evening till about eight o'clock. But really by eight o'clock latest, I don't want to be working anymore. And I will have had breaks for dinner and I will have had breaks for a power nap and some food before that. So that's what I find uh, mm. works for me. Any any further thoughts, Graham? As, as I shared that, you might have remembered some of your own. Well, I'm thinking that one thing I've learned is that there isn't one way of doing this. We tend to think that, oh, you know, like if you're productive, you have maybe seven hours, six and a half hours if you're really successful, you know, hours sleep a night, um, that's kind of the, the myth, isn't it? That's perpetuated. And obviously you know, science says that that actually is sleep deprived and that builds up over time. But even if you look at, you know, you look at different cultures, for example, like, I mean, I lived in Spain for a time and 
they're very much fond of the siesta. And, you know, once you're outside of Madrid and you go to the smaller cities, like people will sleep two or three hours, they have a long nap, or even if they don't sleep, they'll just rest, lie down. And then the, the Spanish will, they'll start early in the morning, work till midday, take three hours off, maybe four hours. They'll come back sort of in the afternoon and then work till late. And then they'll go out 10 or 11 o'clock at night, you know, and then they'll finish again, maybe about two. So, you know, that is another alternative way of living and a, a way of sleeping. And even if you look at, you know, look at the animal kingdom, you look at, I mean, I was just doing some research before this just to kind of look at the numbers. It's like, how many hours does a primate sleep? So chimps sleep nine and a half hours and gorillas sleep on average 12 up to 17 hours. So like we're the only primate that really, you know, advanced primate that sleeps less than our ancestors, right? And we've kind of done that because of this sort of industrial lifestyle. Mm. And, you know, a, a part of that is that we've taught everybody that you've got to sleep less. And I always felt guilty as a younger man sleeping eight hours a night when all people around me were sleeping seven, six, five, even. I was getting eight hours a night, night in, night out. I was like, okay, maybe I just sleep too much. Maybe I'm lazy. Yeah. Yeah. But I realized actually that was probably a good thing. Mm. And I was actually reading an interview with Lionel Messi saying about his daily behaviors. He, like yourself, he takes a nap, but he goes to bed. He goes to bed at nine every night and he sleeps on average nine hours. Mm -hmm. And then he wakes up and on a day he's not playing. So on a non-match day, he'll nap at two o'clock for an hour. Mm. And you see that, it's like, okay, actually, it's a bit of a long answer, but I think the short answer is, you know, we don't have to accept this just one way of living and sleeping. You know, actually there's a lot of different ways of doing it. And there are ways suited to your lifestyle. So I think we need to explore and we need to experiment a bit more. Yeah, yeah. And I think you're so right that many of the sports teams now, they're all going, mm. you know, certainly in America, they're all going to have their power naps in the afternoon, around about one o'clock, about 22 minutes. Um, and also, of course, I, I have the, the eye patch and I have also sound no noise cancelling headphones because I'm easily awoken by a slight noise or what goes mm -hmm. on now it's not great all the time having noise cancelling headphones it's not bad if it's making sure that uh you, you use it carefully but not all the time but i do find when i go and have the power nap later on the eye patch will go on the headphones will go on i'll be in bed and what's hilarious is my dog archie he knows and i go bedtime archie and he'll go oh yeah okay here you go master and he goes up the stairs and he lies in his bed beside the bed we both have a kit. I wake up when the alarm goes up. He goes, really? Oh, okay. And then he's raring to go. And it's like you have two days in one. Uh, yeah. I've really become uh, a fan of it. And and in the army days, you'd be humiliated for it. You'd be ridiculed mm -hmm. for it. You're a wimp. Come on. What's you on that? But but now, you know, who was the idiots? And if, yeah. if, I, if I can get eight hours sleep, I'm really, really happy about that. Particularly as mine is always broken. And, and it's the not only just sleep, but this is why it's worth you doing something like the uh, polysomnograph that I did at the Royal Papworth. And I'll chat about that in a minute if you want. Um, but even on wearable technology, which is which is very rough, you still get an idea of how much uh, how often you're awake, how disturbed you are, what level of blood oxygen you have in the system, how much sleep disturbances you've had to your breathing. Uh, mm. I think. Or, uh, uh, um, uh, sleep apnea and um 
and also when you're in REM, which is the uh, rapid mm. eye movement that, that when you do the most of the dreaming, when you're in deep sleep or slow wave sleep, um, and, and what, 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 you know, what's the pattern, which is normally a 90 minute cycle you tend to go through, which is why, you know, old men like myself tend to wake up every hour and a half and go and have their pee. Uh, that's because when they're, they're, they're back up again into that almost semi-awake state. But if you can keep going through, you'll probably have longer bits of sleep. Mm. So any- What did any... you discover from yours? Did you get yeah. any sort of revealing takeaways? You thought, oh, I've been doing this for yeah. 30 well, years. It was really interesting. So let me just um, find my notes here uh, for you. So- It's kind of one of those things you've got to do, isn't it? Like your sort of your gene survey, isn't it? It's like, oh, yeah. Find yeah. Out something interesting about yourself that you could just go through your whole life not knowing. Yeah. Yeah, uh, really interesting, learned so much. So there's a thing called the Epworth sleep sleepiness scale. You can find it on the internet, Epworth, E-P-W-R-T-H. Um, and, and it's, you know, when do you fall asleep during the day? Are you falling asleep at your desk? Are you falling asleep while driving at the concert, whatever? So take the Epworth sleepiness scale uh, score. And I'd like just to hear what your score will be, uh, Graham, when you've done that one. I had mm. a lovely guy called Dr. Nick Oscroft, which I hope to get on the podcast at some stage in the future. Um, so I had while I was there. So I went. I was booked in. I, I had. I put my own pillow as well. But there's my own my own private room with a, with a loo and things. All the cameras and everything were set up. I you know went through some tests and bits and pieces and and, and blood and things like that before I went to sleep. Uh, and then I chose the time I was going to go to sleep. And they wanted me to wake up about seven so they could do some recording for me to leave. But I had six and a half hours sleep. I was 73% sleep efficiency, which is quite low. You want, you want 80, 85, 90% sleep efficiency. And that's the amount that you're asleep versus when you're awake. Mm. Um, I had what they call the light stage of sleep. Stage one and two were okay. My REM was 28% of the evening, which is a bit more than normal for someone of my age because it is, it is adjusted for age. Deep sleep, mm. uh, I always been worried about, and this is why I went to do the study, that my deep sleep, I don't have very much. Sometimes it can be as little as 10 minutes a night up to 40 minutes. And my maximum, when I get very excited, is about an hour and 10 mm. minutes of deep sleep. But my wife, Lee, she can have two and a half hours of sleep out of uh. six. She just goes really deep. And I think it's an ability she's always had when she focuses, she can focus well. Mm. Um, but I only had, you know, it was about 9% of my sleep was slow wave sleep, deep sleep, which he said was okay for my age. The two things that I had as disorders that came up, one was hilarious watching the video afterwards. And I, my, my legs were twitching during the night <laughs> and called periodic limb movement disorder, PLMD. Yeah. And my actual limbs moved 63 times per hour, which was very high. Wow. The average is 15. And, it's a uh, workout, and, Jonathan. Well, yeah, it is almost. But, but what was interesting was that the EEG, which was doing on my brain, mm, mm. didn't have too much of an inter an impact of the periodic limb movement disorder on my sleep. Uh, and so it, I, it wasn't so low quality, but people who have that sometimes need to take more iron, more magnesium. But he said, yeah. I'd, had, I'd done blood tests, because that was another thing I've done, a whole series of 42 blood markers, uh, which I did beforehand with another organization. And I knew that my, my levels of iron and magnesium were good. The other thing he spotted was that I had mild to moderate obstructive sleep apnea, mm. uh, which 35% of the population has. It's quite common, yeah. Breathing problems. So yeah. essentially the, the, the throat and the tongue relax a bit and it, it literally mm. stops you breathing. And so the body wakes up for a bit <coughs> mm. or, or like that, may even not make a cough, but you wake up again 
and then you go back to sleep again, mm. which will disturb sleep. But you might not be aware of it, right? You might no. not be aware you're awake. No, no, no. And, and there's various things they can do. People have CPAP masks. <clears throat> In my case, I might wear a mandibular advancement device, which is like a gum shield, but with something in it which pushes the lower jaw and the tongue forward to make more space for breathing and preventing snoring. Because snoring mm. is a big, big problem for a lot of people. They have to put up with their partner snoring. That's and... not a problem for them. It's a problem for their partner, right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. And so really, that was pretty much it. But the, the test that they did, the polysomnograph, mm. was a sleep study uh, overnight. Um, brain waves, heart rate, oxygen levels in my blood, eye movements, nerve and muscle functions, and blood pressure. And I found it really interesting. Yeah. So that's a bit on that one. Really. No, we spend a third of our life sleeping, don't we? Yeah. And it affects the other two thirds. We should pay. I mean, if you think about all the literature and the advice given about food, for example, or exercise. I mean, we've all listened to a guru talk about food and exercise or bought the books. And yet sleep is probably, I don't know, obviously, I don't think you can compare light for light, but I would have thought it's probably more important than those two in terms yeah. of your general health. Because you, you can live without food for weeks and weeks, and you, you can certainly live without exercise, but try living without sleep. I think you can go a few days before you're gone, right? Yeah. And it's so important. Very much. You know, so. I think there's a tide, isn't there? It's turning about yeah. sleep because of mental health, sleep, and this whole sort of, you know, reaction to this very macho, toxic culture that we've been, you know, indoctrinated with. That, you know, people are kind of saying, let's just balance this out a little bit now. You're so right. And um, when I went through... Uh, some mental health problems and got quite depressed with some challenges in my life. I, I took all the techniques that I could read about. This is why I got so interested in this because I wanted to solve the mental health challenges I was having, the depression I was having, not through taking pills. I didn't want any antidepressant. I didn't want to be addicted to some kind of tablets because they have not proved that that works. People take it as a crutch, but it hasn't been proved to work. And they're just guessing. They've got no scan in there. If you if you break a leg, they can do an X-ray of it. If you get depression, what do they do? They go, hmm, I oh. think you might need to take these pills. Have that worked? Oh, no, it hasn't. Well, try taking these pills. Has that worked? Oh, no. I don't know. So what I did was I went eat, move, sleep, breathe, focus, prosper. So I I, I looked at the food I ate, which was good for my, men, my brain health. Um, I, I did lots of exercise and getting out in daylight. And because that's the big thing is, is there's a whole load of books I've read about the circadian rhythm, but you yeah. must get up. And the very first thing you do, open the curtains, get out, get some sunlight. So yeah. the body knows this is the routine, the consistent routine. Like for me, if I can sleep at 10.30, wake at 7.30. I always wake at 7.30 unless I have to get up early like I did today to get down to London and back. But but the point is that you, if you can give yourself as consistent a sleep pattern as possible. It's good for your mental and your physical health. And then the mindfulness, the de-stressing, the yoga, the, the exercise, but the sleep really made the biggest difference. Mm. If I'm feeling down and a little depressed, get lots of sleep and you'll be fine. And otherwise you start affecting everybody else in your family and your, mm. uh, you know what it's like when you've got a boss who's a bit grouchy and grumpy. Oh, and I've been him many a time. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry to all those people out there yeah. for being that guy. <laughs> yeah it's that it's just not and you know that, i would have thought 80 percent. a lot of the stuff you can deal with you can manage it you can handle the stresses of business or work it's just on the days that you don't have 
all your faculties together. Yeah. And that all comes down to sleep. You, you're, you're actually, by sleep depriving, you're making yourself stupid. I mean, mm. and often, of course, when you're then stressed and you get grumpy with someone else, congratulations, you're making them stupid because they're afraid yeah. to think for themselves because you're shouting at them or you're grumpy or you're doing the passive resistance and you're ignoring them or whatever it is, you're not at your best. And we're not mm. looking at we're not looking at dysfunction. We want to look at how can you be a high performing business athlete as well as a physical athlete? You and I have you know, done some extreme things. Oh, but yeah. if, you, if you do that with good sleep and, and good eating and some rest and, and you, you know, we, we can't run all the time. Some people have, mm. but you look at Paula Radcliffe and other, they've wrecked their bodies. So you do yeah. need this downtime, as we talked about in the physical, to recover. Same, your body needs this time. Because what goes on in the brain, I find so fascinating, in that time you're asleep, the brain's not switched off. It's so busy as ever. No. And it's actually flushing out with cerebral saying, yeah. It's flushing so, out. Yeah. The, the actual, the, the blood vessels um, uh, through the brain, the sort of bits of the brain change to allow the channels, it's almost a bit of a movement in the brain, to allow the channels to flush through the cleaning mm. fluid of, of cerebral fluid to flush out the toxins. They call it beta amyloid, a plaque. It's almost like on your teeth. Mm -hmm. would, would you ever sort of go day after day without brushing your teeth? No. Mm -hmm. So why are you doing without having a sleep and let the plaque build up in your brain, which leads like Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher, who were proud, macho people who did sleep deprived. Didn't she hours sleep like three hours? Yeah. Three hours. Three, Wasn't three that hours the, she went, this is what I myth. do. Yeah you're, all, yeah, you're all you're all wimps and things like that. But she had very bad Alzheimer's in later life. And, yeah. and why set yourself up for, uh, you know, what they call type three diabetes, which is mm. Alzheimer's, yeah. uh, as I've had some close uh, members of the family get uh, when actually you can look after what you eat, the exercise you do, the sleep you have, mm. the stressing you do will reduce your chances of that. Yes, there'll be some great tablet or pill in the future they might be finding, and they're spending billions trying to find one. But you can you can help yourself by mm. the kind of things that you and I are talking about. Well, I think if you start at the fundamentals of change, like you mentioned all those different aspects of it, if you get a good sleep, it makes it a lot easier to eat better and a lot easier to exercise because those require a bit of discipline and mind power you know i'm going to eat that and not this i'm going to drink this and not that and if you're going into that when you're tired it's a lot harder isn't it you know, oh, i'll just grab that chocolate bar I'll just oh you know you don't feel like that kind of discipline but when you're powered up it's a lot easier to do these things so it's almost like a knock-on effect it's the domino effect isn't it and it starts with sleep so all of that really comes back to getting that thing right and i would say you know if you the major that's that's the sort of the small cog that turns the big cogs in the machine isn't it steve mm. get that right and everything else follows on well I was, I was just talking with you here's me drinking honest organic tea just green tea uh, unsweetened cold. sponsor so the yeah yeah I, I need to need to have them sponsor me not they don't you don't need to sponsor this podcast because he's willingly giving out thousands of dollars worth of free advertising to <laughs> let's just on, go on honest green tea what about honest. it why yeah. is it so good jonathan i don't yeah it's just very interesting well actually now i've got the bottle let's make my own at home in the in the in the glass jar <laughs> uh, um just just a you know boil boil the kettle put in the green tea with uh, <laughs> ma matcha green tea but uh, yeah I, I find drinking iced tea 
uh, a nice recharge. We didn't. We talked before on the on the last podcast about eating and moving. We didn't really talk much on the liquids, which of course has been mm. very important to us. But but I find like you, I have a, a cup of black coffee when I wake up, just black coffee because I'm fasting, intermittent fasting. And then like today, I must have actually eaten at eleven thirty, you know, about twelve o'clock today. So I didn't eat until then. Uh, I just had my morning supplements. But um, if I drink alcohol the night before, my blood pressure is about eight points up. So it's normally about 53, 54, 55. But if I, if I drink alcohol, it might be 62, 64. And my heart rate variance, which is lower mm. than Lee's, Lee's might be up at 70. Mine's down at about 25, 26. But if I've been drinking, it might be down to 12. So mm. this is why I've just found that while I like alcohol, alcohol doesn't like my body and, and my performance the next day is impaired, at least by about 30 percent. But I'm not talking about going on a real bender. I'm just talking about, you know, a few glasses of wine or whatever it might be. Mm. And so I now generally just don't like the impact it has on my sleep because you fall asleep. But then you're going to wake up even more often than I normally do and have five peas a night rather than three it's or not a restful sleep is it it's not it's not and, quality and then in sleep. the morning you need to rehydrate but i don't tend to drink too much as i'm going to sleep because i don't want to be waking up but in the morning i certainly have about a pint with a rehydrate mm. tablet in that's a pint of tea everybody are you saying that yeah i guess that's right not a pint of alcohol <laughs> Yes, I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> First thing in the morning, I we drink start a pint. all over again. <laughs> now then, laddie, have a pint. <laughs> now then, now then. Yeah. What about you, Graham? What do you do with different kinds of liquids and alcohol? What's been your lesson? I'm not really a big drinker. I do like to drink. Um, I'm not teetotaler, um, but I will drink on occasion when there is an occasion. I'm not out of habit, and I think that's fine. Um, you know, I can take it once in a while, um, but it, not a regular thing. It, I, like you see, like you, if, if I drink red wine, for example, I can't sleep for hours. My heart rate's like thumping away. So I don't know these people are going to have a glass of red wine and just, they're out like a light. I envy those people very much. Maybe it's an enzyme thing. Like I know people that can drink coffee and an hour later they can be out. I'm like, how on earth did you do that? I'm sure just, it's just enzymes, stay, isn't it? Just staying with that for a day. I did a, a full sort of body DNA test. Another one of the things learning about my body. And, and some people are uh, in the in your DNA, you will be heavily affected by coffee. Mm. Now, I'm not oh. too badly. So I'm I, terrible. I, but but most people, the advice is don't drink after midday because of the, mm. the seven, seven or eight hours impact it has on you. But some people are more affected by that. And others are also more affected by alcohol because of mm. their DNA. So it is in your body makeup. As Both. Well as, as well. Yeah. 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 I might say, whoever it was hundreds or maybe thousands of years ago, <laughs> They were eating potatoes rather than rice. Whatever it was, they're to blame. That yeah. is in the gut, that f flora, the biome, yeah. if you like. Yeah. The microbiome. That's a whole That's area. That I've inherited it. Yeah. yeah. The microbiome, fascinating area. And then let's have a look at stress reduction, Ex uh, exercise, yoga, mindfulness, meditation, breath work to relax and de-stress. Um, what have you experimented with, Graham, on, on this area? Everything. Yeah? Yeah. Tell, I've tell me in more. ingested everything, tried everything. Like you, I'm a, a you know insatiable appetite for things that can improve me. Um, I've done all kinds of meditation, yoga for a long time. Practiced Ashtanga yoga, which is great. I really enjoyed that. 
Um, I haven't done it recently. I've been traveling around, kind of got out of the routine. But I'm one of these things like I've done a lot. I've tried a lot to meditate. Um, you know, spent a lot of time, didn't just try it and give up, you know, trying to make it work. Maybe it was the trying part that the problem. But it was, um, it didn't, it really was hard for me. Maybe it's the enzymes again, Jonathan. I don't know. Maybe that's an excuse, but I really found it hard to meditate, even like weeks and weeks at it, practice, 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 practice. And I couldn't get it to work because my mind is just a very, very noisy place, right? And yet what I found is that actually my meditation is when my body is like really, really active. So, or I'm like suffering, like physically. So for me, the most meditative state is on a bike a bicycle going up a very very like a 20 degree incline and you're just suffering and you may be there with your mates uh, you know it's us two going up the hill and it's like i'm gonna die doing this thing for me that's very very meditative and it feels almost kind of spiritual mm. and i get that running i get it um cycling and when i'm in this extreme state and I, it's strange because people you know i even get it cutting vegetables for dinner but like people get that sitting down and just kind of like clearing their mind i can't do that i can clear my mind when it's almost like it's overpowered by these very very strong physical stimuli it just it's to me it's like really really loud music i can fall asleep to really really loud music my wife thinks it's really strange because that is actually very meditative for me mm. it's like almost it turns everything off so I mean, the reason why I shared that is because for many years I tried to do like everybody else, which was like, oh, I've got to meditate, I've got to meditate, and it didn't work for me. And I found actually this is really meditative. So I think there are maybe people out there, and if you're out there and you hear this and you think, actually, that's me, then there's hope because for us, there's another form of meditation, which probably isn't what the Zen gurus would teach, or maybe it is, who knows. Um, but that is like this extreme form of suffering i don't know but it's where you're pushing your body and the mind to the limits and that's almost the same kind of impact on me as doing an hour of sit down you know transcendental or deep mm. zen meditation mm. it is interesting you say that i think when i was doing the mountain marathon and you tend to get into a sort of pace as you're just running after a few hours and and you do go into this sort of altered state I mean, there are times, of course, when you come back to it with a jolt and, you know, a muscle's pulled or hurt or whatever like that, and you're trying to get through that. But I also, last October, uh, as you know, had a, a challenging time with Graham getting stabbed and David, my other brother, dying. And then I was in hospital in acute pain. Uh, it just, I've never been in so much uh, pain. Um, and I was in hospital for a few days. Luckily, it was all generally resolved for now. But when I was in such acute pain, I did use breathing. And also I listened to a marvelous book uh, by John Kabat-Zinn. I'll put it in the, in mm. the notes. Uh, full, yeah, catast full, full Catastrophe Living. And, and, and he did mindfulness-based stress reduction. It did back in the 70s. But it's still relevant today that, that ways you can find to cope with your life or cope with deep pain. Because often people are in such acute pain that, that no amount of... Um, or a morph or various pain release would made any difference to me just didn't touch the side hmm. and so my way of coping with it was breathing and was a bit of mindfulness 
just to accept what was going on and and live with it rather than trying to fight it mm. like it, it's a it's a battle to be won because you can't so I, I think that is very interesting i mean love love your stories of of, of the fact you've tried most things i i find my daily routine if i can have 10 minutes of first thing in the morning part of my routine the um uh calm there's the, the daily calm i listen to that uh i also like as i say about three times a week to do 15 minutes of sarah beth is an american lady who has a little little yoga channel on on youtube and i just listen to 15 minutes of hers that's not very long yoga but it's enough for an old man to stretch himself and get all all the movement from the previous day's hit training or rowing uh or dog walking or whatever it or sitting but like you i'm standing now because i know i stand a lot during the day because i know that's good not only for my longevity because i think this is that why are we doing all this i want to live longer i want to die young at a ripe old age and um you know i've i've lived twice as long as my father who was killed when he was 33 yeah. um and i i want to live a good life but but have my health span match my lifespan because mm. too many people have their health span ends and then they live on another 15 years in yeah. agony so um that's just Do you think a, there's any correlation between the amount of people sleep and their lifespan there must be some study yeah yeah i would love to see the data on that that yes. that you know those yeah. people that sl were sleep deprived lived more or less who knows right i'd love to see the data i mean yeah. that's that's a big longitudinal study somewhere in the world isn't it like one of those blue zone studies yes there's some very interesting studies going on at the moment I, i'm part of uh zero is an app that i use um which looks at intermittent fasting um and there's an another uh study uh by one of the professors i've forgotten his name but it's gone out of my my mind but um they're looking at the benefits of intermittent fasting with a group of about fifty thousand of us i'm going to take mm. part in that study but the, there is um the impact of not having sufficient sleep throughout your life will catch up with you later in life and it will mm. shorten your health span and maybe your lifespan as well. And of course, there's been studies into uh, quite a, a serious study into people who are working shifts. I'm sorry mm. to say for those who are, you know, like, like my uh, son who's in the police force and those who are doing airlines or you know, a lot of people about, you know, about a quarter of the population do shift work and it is carcinogenic. It, it has an impact on mm. their chances of having cancer, which is not a, uh, healthy environment for organizations to provide people which is actually one of the things we normally talk about different leaders we know what sleep they've had what what mindfulness mm. they've, we don't know much about them because they don't haven't shared it but we we know those who've destroyed themselves early by not having enough but organizations mm. listening to this you know if you're in the in a, a ceo or in a an hr function you can do much more to make your environment psychologically safe physically safe but also that it's an environment where people perform at their best. Don't you think, Graham? It's a fundamental question, Jonathan, because you're not just talking about everything there, but what lies beneath that, the whole culture of work, isn't it? Because now you have to start asking questions about the hours that people work because, you know, we've all been there. 
the the macho I'll be the first one into the office and last one to leave cultures they're still dominant mm. and then also you know the whole thing about working from home and working from the office you know I work from home and interestingly working from home I actually get up earlier which is bizarre isn't it because you would have thought that hour wasted on the commute going to the office I would have had to wake up earlier always tired always never wanting to do that commute never looking forward to it never looking forward to getting home on the crowded train maybe that's why you know i wake up earlier because i don't commute mm. i'm less tired so and that probably is going to have a big an impact on the positive mental well-being of a workforce than let's say putting a ball pit or you know like a sleep pod in the office that's kind of really just a band-aid isn't it, over it right mm -hmm. so i think there's a lot more fundamentals that we need to ask about work because the whole world of work if you think about it was is based on an industrial model isn't it you know for the year like my so my mother who came from glasgow her great aunts worked in the cotton mills you know in the paisley mills mm -hmm. literally in the mills when they were 12, 13 years old. And the, those families, they would sleep in the mills, you know, on the floors. So, you know, they had sleep pods. They sleep on these dusty floors. You know, the, a lot of them would die young. They would lose limbs in these mills, all those mm -hmm. kind of things. Mm -hmm. But that, that sort of model has propagated still to where we are today. I mean, we're not working in the sort of barbaric factories, but the model of waking up, going to work, working you know, like giving 12 hours of your day to work without stop, maybe half an hour, an hour off. And then you go home and then you turn off. That's the model that we've lived with for, well, since the light bulb, you know, the light bulb was what, invented 140 years ago, right? Mm -hmm. So since then, that's what we've been doing. These sort of very unnatural patterns, you know, yes, that. Well, well, that's what's so interesting. I, I fully agree with you. And, and you know, those times when you've gone out into the wilds, camping or something where there's no you know there's there's no light pollution or very little light pollution it's hard to find somewhere where there is no light pollution but somewhere where there's li little light pollution and you have to go with nature because you haven't got yeah. electric light and it's great because you just bam yeah. it gets dark you go to bed yeah there's light, nothing else to do <laughs> oh yeah you've been on one of the i was on an island just off bali on bali's an island but an island off bali in the 90s before internet before mobile phones and and staying out there for a while and seven six o'clock seven o'clock gets dark there's no bar there's no tv there there was no nothing so people went to bed like at eight o'clock mm. and like People woke up early in the morning, but everyone was so chilled on the island. You wonder why, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, there's no doubt we've, we've got the industrial age has made us so out of sync with our circadian codes. And, mm -hmm. and this, this rhythm that we have, we're trying to fight against it. And in our body, all the different organs have their own different uh, circadian rhythms, which are not always the same for the whole body. Everything's it's like, right. different. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's not, it's uh, all sorts of different organs, different, different times. And, 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 and so finding out what works best for you and the experiments that have gone on where they put you in the dark and they put you in the light and even with plants that they had when they opened up, mm. they put them in a dark room or in the, down in a, in a mine pit with no light at all. What did they do? And things like that. Fascinating what goes on. And indeed, I, I thought I'd mention some of the books and we could perhaps talk about this and I'll put them in the notes that go with the podcast. Yeah. Um, 
but for 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 sleep um the four that i've read which have been very influential on me why we sleep my favorite by dr matthew matthew walker, walker. yeah that is good everybody yeah. i seem to know in my circles recommends it oh you've got yeah. to read this yeah. that guy's got a lot of readers without advertising correct good correct. word of mouth from that yeah it, it is the sleep solution by chris winter i think another doctor mm. Uh, Lifetime by Russell Foster, which is about uh, circadian code and and sleep and 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 how we how we time our lives. And then the circadian code by Doctor Sachidanda Panda. You couldn't even say that one after a night on the town, um, but Doctor Panda did that one on circadian code. And then on mindfulness and on uh, mindfulness-based stress reduction, breath work, and these other. Like a full catastrophe living by john cabot zinn mm. breath by james breath by james nestor and the oxygen advantage by patrick McEwen. Uh, i found all very interesting how about you graham what what uh, have you enjoyed matthew walker for sure great book um not a lot to add to it i think you've got some great suggestions i've mentioned him before but i would add it in there because there's a lot dedicated to sleep how to be idle by tom hodgkinson okay i think it's great the idle pleasures of sleep and napping there's a lot there's a whole section dedicated to napping which is just more sort of the celebration of the anti-industrial culture if you like you know the people who napped and even the interesting thing about the book it sort of goes back to the medieval times and talks about what it was like pre-industrial revolution and a lot of people slept <laughs> during the day which i thought was really interesting people like they would complain a lot about agricultural workers just lying around sleeping mm. but that's their life they you know and also, interestingly, that there's been a lot written about it, that this modern sleep pattern is modern in the sense that in you go back to the medieval times that people slept twice. Often people would go to bed early because of what you said, like lights out. And then they would wake up late at night, tend to the fire because it was cold. And then maybe an hour or two later, go back to bed. <coughs> Yeah. And so that was quite a natural pattern. So again, it's bringing it back to this idea that there isn't one way of doing these things. And we need to kind of think about actually what is natural and what's good for us. Mm. Yeah, I think it's, there's so much we can learn about this. And I think that the greatest thing is for it to learn, but then not get too intense. The more intense you get about it, if it's sleep, that I must get some more sleep. <laughs> I'm not sleeping. It's, it's going to stress you out. Well, that's um, what I was wondering about you doing that sleep study. It's like, if I, I could imagine myself in that situation, it's like, you know, the day before Christmas day, when you're a kid or like, you know, the day before you have to get on a flight, it's like, I can never sleep on those. How can you command yourself to sleep when you've got all that going on around you? I mean, yeah, good for you if yeah. you can manage it. Yeah. They, they do expect that you won't sleep exactly as you would do at home. Unless you, unless you get the team to come into your room at home and do it. It's not going to be the same, but actually, I just thought this is a really interesting sleep study. I want to be able to share it on the podcast. I'm going to mm. go and experiment with this and uh, try it out. And it was some hilarious pictures, all these little electrodes and wires, <laughs> like some sci-fi like <laughs> sci-fi film is with sort of worms growing out of my head. And uh, and also watching the film of, of, the, of the movement of my body during the night. And I'm going to get all the materials. Yeah, that's a bit scary. I mean, we should get what we should do is we get the audience to send in suggestions. What health 
test study should Jonathan do next yeah, okay. for the benefit of the audience? Okay. It's like okay. our guinea pig. Yeah. Oh man, what are we, we're going to like a roll of dice. What are we going to do with him next? <laughs> we, we've done his blood. We've done his sleep. <laughs> what else is there to do? Is there something else we can put you on? That's going to oh, yeah. reveal. And you can share it with the audience for the, okay. Your, okay. For the benefit of the audience. So they can vicariously explore their bodies through you, Jonathan. What yeah, else can we... There was, we have there some was, ideas from the audience, please. There was a, a lovely Charles program called Blue Peter with uh, John, <laughs> yeah. was it John Noakes or Peter yeah. something? And he would be sent off to do various things. Um, and <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, but that would be quite funny. <laughs> well, look, Graham, we, we're coming towards the end of it. Um, yeah. Uh, and next month, we're going to be doing um, CQ, uh, which is a cultural uh, quotient. Okay. Quotient. So cultural, cognitive and collective intelligence quotient. So, you know, diversity, equality, inclusion, people from different cultures, different backgrounds, how people make decisions in teams and things like that. You know, how do you get a culture? There's quite a lot that we can have a, mm. a discussion about. So if you've got any questions that you'd like us to discuss, please just drop me a note to jonathanperks.com. Um, and uh, there's pickle.com for Graham as well. So, you know, let us know uh, any feedback on what, what works for you, what you'd like things to change. Uh, and we'll end with uh, appreciation. So, Graham, do you want to go first or should I go first? I'll go first this time. Okay. Um, so, yeah, in, in, in a sense, I'm enjoying living vicariously through you a little bit, Jonathan, like going on these little adventures. A bit of an astronaut, aren't you, out there? you know pushing the, pushing the boundaries a bit but not afraid to share it uh, inspiring as it is and I, I definitely appreciate that and definitely enjoy it it's a lot of fun there's a serious message in there as well though it's like you know you're living it you're living it on your terms and to the fullest and you know we can all kind of just push ourselves a little bit more not in that sort of very macho way which we've talked about many times isn't it but just kind of like you know, as living beyond fear in a sense, isn't it? It's like that's what you are doing. You, you're, you're accepting fear of these things and of the unknown, but you're not letting it stop you. You're going out embracing it and doing things that you feel are good for you or you should do or should learn something rather than just kind of like, oh, I might do that one day. You're up there and doing it. So good for you. And I appreciate that. And I feel, I think the audience as well, we appreciate that, don't we, audience? And, we, we should definitely get Jonathan on another test. I want to hear more about the sleep study. So, but like, what else could we put you on? So I'm not going to let that one go. So let's kind of have the audience. So I would appreciate you more if we were sending you out there on some tests. So anyway, I digress. Okay. That's great, Graham. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And I look forward to you um, matching me with whatever test I go. <laughs> I, I saw I saw you go up Mount Fuji with your son and was very yeah. impressed, impressed by that in the early hours of the dawn, looking very, very cold, uh, wrapped up. Um, but I, I, I appreciate the fact that um, you're such an easy colleague to have a conversation with. The, the interesting things that listeners may not know is we've never met each other physically. No. But I feel like this is like the brother by another mother. Uh, that, I, that I have as my friend Errol Stewart in Jamaica. Man, you said you're my brother by another mother. And, and nice. I feel that Graham Brown is my brother by a mother, another mother. And um, just the, the conversation that we can have, Graham, I really appreciate it mm. on, on any particular topic. We're just interested in learning and growing and helping those listen. So for those of you listening, I hope you found it interesting. And if you want to know more, go to my website, jonathanperks.com. 
And there, there's a whole load of materials, all the previous podcasts that we've done, top tips, the two-minute top tips, some blogs, and some tips and advice for you, free material, fill your boots, help yourself. And Graham, thank you very much for being on this week's Inspiring Leadership Podcast. Thank you, Jonathan. Okay, bye for now. So now you've heard from one of the inspiring leaders that I've interviewed, what are you going to do next? If you want to get some more free material, go to my website, jonathanperks.com or follow me on LinkedIn, Jonathan Bowman Perks. And there you can get access to my books, uh, Inspiring Leadership and Top Tips for Inspiring Leaders. But if you want to actually do something about being a leader and constantly improving your game, raising your performance, get in touch with me about coaching you or one of your team that you want to raise the game for them. It's got to be people who want to be good to great, not people who you're trying to fire. And if you're looking for a motivational speaker, get in touch. Or if you want me to work with your team coach, I would be delighted to help you.